Hey, last week I was not with you guys. I was uh, back in Bend for a wedding. I heard Pastor Jeff had a powerful message uh, that basically recapped our last uh, sermon series where we talked about anxiety and depression. So if you haven't been with us, if this is your first time with us, um, the past six weeks we went through a series um, where we looked at uh, depression and anxiety and what Jesus says about that. Um, and the sermon series was titled Not Alone. Um, but I, before we move forward into this series on Acts um, and I, what God's going to tell us through this series, I want to make sure you know that if you're battling depression, if you're battling anxiety, or if, you, uh, or if you're not and you just know someone who is, uh, we're not done talking about this. We're not done talking about these things. Uh, the goal of this, the sermon series uh, called Not Alone was that um, it would be the starting point. Uh, it would be the starting point to a more continual conversation um, that will continue to happen uh, throughout the year. So I just wanted to make sure you know that that was just the start of something. And rather, true healing uh, comes through one-on-one conversation and not just um, from someone teaching from the stage. So uh, if you're here today battling depression or battling anxiety, make sure that you, I just want you to know that we are not done talking about these things. That will be a continual conversation. Uh, so flip your Bibles open to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Um, what I generally like to do is we're, we'll go through a topical series where uh, basically it means where we'll choose one topic and then die and then look into what Scripture has to say about those things. So we'll look at different Scripture all throughout the Bible. And so the last topical series we just had was on depression and anxiety, right? So we chose that topic. And then we looked at what scripture says about that. And then I generally like to rotate that with going through a book of of the Bible and where we look specifically into one book. Does that make sense? So we rotate from like a topical series to a book. And now the book that we're going to go through um, is the book of Acts. And a little background on the book of Acts. um, It's written by a man named Luke. Uh, Luke wrote two books in the Bible. And he wrote the book of Luke, which is one of the four gospels. And he then wrote the book of Acts, which is one, the one we're going to go through uh, over the next seven weeks. And basically, it, Luke and Acts, it's kind of like volume one and volume two. Basically, volume one would be the book of Luke, where um, Luke wrote about all that Jesus be, began to do and to teach while he was on this earth. So it'd be like if I'm writing about what Jesse is doing and teaching and all she's doing while she's on this earth, right? And then the book of Acts talks about after Jesus died and rose from the grave, after that, what happened after that? And basically what we're going to see in the book of Acts is it's the first historical view of the church, it's a, it's a history book, basically, where we look to see how this movement of Jesus started. Basically, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, something happened to the point where now 2,000 years later is what we're going to talk about. 2,000 years later, we are here in Beaverton, Oregon, still preaching the same Jesus and the same message. What happened? That's what we're going to look at. So Acts 1, verse 1 through 11 is what we're going to read. Um, Before we dive in, though, I'm going to challenge you a bit. Um, I'm going to challenge you to read one chapter a day in the book of Acts throughout this series. And actually, you can, if you want to stay on top of what we're reading through, uh, you can even read just five chapters a week. We have just to stay on top of it. You you can have two days where you don't. But we're not going to be able to read through the entire book. We're we're not going to be able to read through every, every chapter and every verse. 
But the reason why I'm going to challenge you to do that is because um, what I have seen in the past, I just spoke at two different youth ministries in different cities uh, the past week, and what I generally see in youth ministries is high school students are called uh, down to a junior high level. It seems childish on how they treat high school students. Um, they, they don't call them up um, to where they should be at, and actually it affects the ministry as a whole. And I see you guys as a young adults. Basically, I, I spoke at a young adults ministry last week, and I, the message that I, that I spoke on would be the same exact message that I'd speak to you guys because the maturity level here is so much higher. And so I'm going to continue to push you and challenge you. Um, and one way we're going to do that is to dive into Scripture a bit more by yourself. You see, one of the things that scares me the most, um, honestly, is when uh, there's people in this room that only rely on me uh, to be God's voice in your life. Nothing scares me more than that. You, you, there's people in here that only show up on 11.15 on Sundays, and that's the only time they hear God's word speaking to them. That's, that's all you hear. And one of, one of my favorite things to do, uh, believe it or not, some people hate it, is I love to talk to Mormon missionaries. I love to talk to people. Anyone has a Mormon missionary or someone of a religious institute come and knock on your door, right? You've all had that, right? And most people like run and book it and like act like they're not home. Um, but I generally love it. I love talking to them. Uh, I have two of my best friends are actually Mormons. Um, but the reason why I, I like talking to them is because of the conversation we have. And the conversation generally goes the same every time. And I usually start out just by asking them. I say, hey, if you started with this book, which you say you believe, this is what I'm asking the Mormon missionaries, if, if you just had this, if this was all you had, you had nothing else, if you just started with this book, how do you, or, or would you still have the belief system that you do? Because Mormons believe in this book, but their belief system, to me, doesn't align with it. And Mormons believe that there's multiple gods and that you can achieve, uh, uh, you can get to a certain type of heaven. There's like a, there's, there's different levels of heaven and you can get, if you get to the highest level of heaven, then you can honestly become your own god is what they believe. And I am asking, well, you believe in this right here. If this was all you had, how, I don't see this aligning with that. And honestly, Mormons believed up until 1979 that, that black people were black because they were cursed by God. And but yet they say they believe in this. And they believe this is God's word. And I'm saying that the, everyone is equal in this. Black, brown, white, I don't care what you are, male, female. In this book, what I see is everyone equal. See, the problem is, is that we rely too much on other people's voices. We're not reading it for ourselves. It's, it, it, it's dangerous when all you do is hear me speak. So over the next seven weeks, just five chapters, which basically could take you five minutes a chapter maximum. And by the time that seven weeks is over, we'll ha you will have read every verse and every chapter in the book of Acts. That sound good? Can I challenge you to that? Can you do that? All right. So Acts 1 chapter or acts chapter 1 verse 1 it should be on the board this is luke's talking here in my former book which is the book of luke right he wrote that one first in my former book theophilus i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven 
After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus basically spent a lot of time proving to his disciples that he was actually alive after he died and rose from the grave. He appeared to them over a 40 day period, or over a period of 40 days, sorry, and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Say, wait. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm going to pause here for a sec. Jesus tells his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift the Father has promised. So what's that gift? And here he was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the reason why I want to pause is because I believe God has promised many things to a lot of people in here and you have not seen that come to pass. That, that hasn't happened yet. And so now you're starting to doubt God. Maybe you're starting to get anxious. Maybe you're starting to get depressed because of it. And you're questioning what God told you to be true. And, and God told his disciples to wait. Maybe God has great things in store for your life, which he does. And he, he's, he's called you to something. He made you a promise. And it hasn't happened yet. God, Jesus tells his disciples to wait here in Jerusalem. Maybe, I'm just, I'm, maybe God is telling you in here to wait. It's coming. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked Jesus, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Verse eight, highlight this verse. This is what we're going to focus on today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee. They said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray, you guys. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word. God, I pray that you speak to us today. God, I pray that I don't add to anything you want to say or subtract anything you want to say. God, I pray it's just your word speaking. Jesus, we invite you into this place. And God, we just, we're here to hear your voice. We're here to hear from you. So Jesus, just speak to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So verse 8 is what we're going to focus on, right? Verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8, is basically this, the mission statement for the entire book of Acts. It, the verse 8, is you see the purpose, you see the mission, and you see the reason for this entire book. And so I want you to write this verse down. This is what we're focusing on. But you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to us. He says, but you will receive power. Say power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus strategically 
maps out what this entire book is going to be about just by this first this this verse in verse 8 in Acts 1. The the entire book is what we're going to look at. It follows this exact outline of verse 8. And three things we're going to look at. Three things. Write these down. The first thing we're going to see just through this verse. We see the power that God has given us. Power that God has given us. We see the purpose that God has given us. And we see the plan that he has for us. So power, purpose, plan. Power, purpose, plan. That's what we see in this verse. And so the first thing, we're going to talk about all three of those things. The first thing, power, right? Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the thing, though, is we... We kind of don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, what He does. We think the Holy Spirit sometimes is weird. We sometimes just ignore Him, right? And, but the thing is that Scripture says that the Holy Spirit dwells in those who believe in Jesus. So if you're in here today and you believe in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So in order to understand the book of Acts... We need to understand a little bit more of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. And if you're in here today and you're like, I think that the Holy Spirit's weird. I've been in your shoes. Like, I agree. I agree. But Jesus talks a whole lot about it. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm following Jesus, right? So what does Jesus say about it? Who is he? Who, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I kind of just gave it away, right? I said, who is he? He meaning the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus always refers to the Holy Spirit as he or him. He never says about the Holy Spirit. Jesus never says it about the Holy Spirit. He never says the Holy Spirit's like an energy, which some religions believe, or, or like a force or anything like that. The Holy Spirit is a person. And Jesus always talks about it. Like John 15, verse 26, Jesus says this when talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, When the Advocate comes, which is the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he, he, right, will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit is is a person. But that's not just a person. The Holy Spirit's also God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Three persons, one God. That's what we believe in. It's it's hard. We're not supposed to be able to wrap our minds around it, honestly. If you can wrap your mind around God, that isn't God. That's probably something you're creating. You're trying to put God in a little box so you can understand. And I like, okay, I got this. We understand, right? No, no, you, we won't be able to understand God like this. So the Holy Spirit is God, and He is a person. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, uh, Scripture talks about how He's the, our counselor. He's our counselor, which means He convicts us and He comforts us. He convicts us. Everyone in here has felt convicted at some point in their life. You, you did something and you felt convicted. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of that thing that you did. But not only that, the Holy Spirit comforts us, right? So that's why you see all the time where if uh, uh, someone loses a spouse and uh, by a tragic accident, so you hear a lot of times, I don't know why, but I just feel peace. That's the Holy Spirit comforting them, Right? They shouldn't feel peace in that instance, but they do. That's the Holy Spirit comforting them at that time, right? So the Holy Spirit's a person. He's God, right? He comforts. He convicts. But why is he important? That's my question. Why, why, do we, why is the Holy Spirit important? I, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit, I'm just like, well, I just need Jesus. I believe in him. 
That's all I need, right? Well, let's see what Jesus says about the importance of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7 says this, But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is literally saying to us, hey, it's better for you if I die because then I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to be within you. And we're going to talk about the, the impact and the evidence and the power of the Holy Spirit in a minute. But just let's listen here right now that Jesus says, if I go, it's better than for me to be here. Right. But I always think in my mind, like, well, wouldn't it be easier if just Jesus was just standing right here and then I could just be like, hey, take the mic, right? Like, I don't need to talk, just listen to Jesus, right? I, it's easier to follow someone that you can physically see and hear, right? But Jesus is, tells us, he tells us, no, no, it's better, honestly, listen, it's better for you if I go. Because now my Holy Spirit is going to dwell inside of you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to convict you. When you're, when you're by yourself and, know, and you feel lonely, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you go through something tragic, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. When you start to get off track and you're going this way, you feel convicted. That's why the Holy Spirit's looking out for you to try to get you back on track, right? The Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Write this down. We're better off with the Holy Spirit living inside of us than for Jesus to be standing right beside us. We're better off with the Holy Spirit living inside of us and those who believe in Jesus than for Jesus to actually be standing right beside us. So that's kind of the basis and premise of the Holy Spirit in a nutshell, right? But the power of the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about, right? Remember, first thing, power, purpose, plan. So the first thing, power. It's the Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness for Jesus and a witness for the gospel. That's what we get. So think about this for a second. Just think about this. 2,000 years ago, in a room in Jerusalem, there was 12 dudes that were just hanging out. And Jesus had told them to wait, and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out onto you. They're like, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. What the heck are you talking about? This is crazy, right? This is ridiculous. 2,000 years ago, and the only reason why you're in the chair today is because of this same message. It's crazy, right? It's, it's insane that 2,000 years later, we can still be talking about the same Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of religions and a lot of things that people have tried to start in the past 2,000 years that have not made it at all. And yet, two, it started with 12 people and now billions and billions and billions and billions of people are continuing to come to know Jesus. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. It's the power that we have in the Holy Spirit. It's a power to be a witness for Him. It's a power to, to tell people about Him, to, to love people, to point them to Jesus. Right. So the first thing, the power God has given us to be a witness for Jesus. The second thing is the purpose God's given us. Verse 8, which we're focusing on, right? It says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's saying, you will be my witnesses. So you have purpose is what it's saying. Jesus is saying you have purpose. So we just went through a series on depression and anxiety, and I've talked to a lot of people in here. A lot of people. So more people in here are dealing with depression, suicide, and anxiety than you believe because I, 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 I get the phone calls. 
You see, the, but the one major thing that I see all the time that is causing the depression and the suicide is a lack of purpose. It's, it's a lack of, you, you don't feel like you have purpose in this life. You, you, don't, you wake up and you're like, well, why am I here? I'm, this is pointless. And honestly, if you didn't have purpose, it would be pointless. You're right. But Jesus says in this verse, he says, you will be my witnesses. That gives you purpose. You will be my witnesses, he's saying. So it doesn't matter where you go, what college you go to, what you do for a living, what your gift is that God's given you. You're called to be a witness for him. It's something greater. God's calling us to something greater. But we tend to miss this, right? You have purpose. So the power God's given us, one, through the Holy Spirit, right? Purpose. God's given us a purpose. Now the third thing that this verse maps out is the plan for how we're going to accomplish this. How are we going to accomplish this? Verse 8 says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what you see, the reason why this is the mission statement for the, this entire book is because that's exactly what we're going to see through Scripture. What we're going to see through this book of Acts is that they, the, the witnesses for Jesus, the disciples, they start in Jerusalem and then they witness the people there. And then from there, they go to Judea. And they witness the people there. And then from there, they go to Samaria. They witness the people there. And then by that time, they start scattering off into the entire world to the point where 2,000 years later, we're still in this, this, the history of the church. If you're sitting in the building, you're a part of the book of Acts if it continued. Right? So it, this is exactly how it outlines. The Holy Spirit, chapter 2, was poured out. In the book of Acts, it was poured out onto the disciples. From there, they started, they realized they had purpose. They had purpose to be a witness for him. They were doing something else with their lives, like many of us in here. But now they're like, oh, now I have purpose. Now they started being a witness for Jesus, wherever you're at. They started witnessing in those cities, and now to the ends of the world, world where we're at right now. So the big thing, though, that we need to take away, I want to take away from this, the start of this Acts. Basically, I just wanted to map out this verse, verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8, is, gonna, is, is mapping us out for this entire series. And I just want to outline that and see what that looks like, because now we're going to start diving into some deeper topics and issues of what we see. Um, but the big thing that we see is that the apostles, uh, they went on mission into the world. The apostles, they, they went on mission and I'm going to argue right now that if you don't feel in here like you're on mission to reach people, to be a witness for Jesus, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to call you out a little bit and say that I don't think you believe what you actually say you believe in. If you're not, if you don't actually want to witness to people, and it doesn't, it does not mean standing on the street corner and yelling. That's the exact opposite of what it means, actually. Just loving people, serving people, pointing to Jesus when people are praising you, right? They're, if you don't feel like you are called to be a witness, but you say you believe in Jesus, I think you need to reassess that. Do you actually believe what you say you believe in is the thing? Because if you actually think about this, I want everyone's attention, eyes are here. If you actually believe that you that you are going to eternity and spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, 
because of what he has done. If you believe what we actually say we believe in, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through him, that no one in this world can go spend eternity with Jesus unless it's through him, which is what all this scripture says. If you actually believe that, you'd probably want to tell someone about it, right? I mean, it's hard to keep in good news. Think about if someone gets engaged, what's the first thing they do? It's all over Instagram. They want to share the good news, right? You see that all the time. Or if you're, say, you're a, you're a doctor, right? You're a doctor, and your one goal is to cure cancer. That's all you want to do. So 50 years you study trying to cure cancer. You finally figured out the cure for cancer. No one in their right mind, if you're that doctor, there's no chance that you just wouldn't tell anyone about it. Right? It's good news. You'll save lives. Right? But the thing about that is you'll save lives temporarily. Right? Cancer is temporary. You're, we're all going to die. It's, it's, it's temporary. You can save a life by making them live a little bit longer. That's good news. So why, if you actually believe what you say you believe in with Jesus, that's eternity. That's not temporary. Right? This is great news. You guys with me? Right? I'm going to invite the worship band up. Elisa will come up. I'm going to close right now. Uh, verse 6, what we just read, Acts 1, verse 6. The apostles say this to Jesus. They say, Jesus, when will you establish the kingdom? See, they, say, they ask Jesus that. The apostles ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, when are you going to establish the kingdom of heaven? When are you going to do it? Yet, listen to what Jesus says, verse 8. Jesus tells his disciples, he switches that and says, no, no, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So Jesus is saying, the apostles are asking Jesus, hey, I want you to do it. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're going to do it. You're going to be my teachers. You're going to be my representatives. You're going to be my witnesses. It's, it's flipping it. But in the American church, we get this wrong. We, we get this completely wrong. Sometimes I think that, like, we think the salvation is like a free gift, right? That we just think it's a free gift, and basically the gospel means, all it means is that we just have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is exactly what it means, but there's so much more to it. It's like when, like, you, we think the gospel is like when you get a free, like, pair of ice skates, and so you, when you get the ice skates, you, you want to go out and skate in the skating rink, and all you do is just twirl and have fun, right? That's all you do. You just use the gifts that God's given you just to have fun with it, right? And we don't do anything with that free gift. But the, the gospel is like when you're given a free pair of ice skates, and then you're called to be part of something bigger, right? Like a team that is working towards something greater. You're not just called to use your gifts and the free gift to just kind of hang out by yourself and have fun by yourself, Right? You're, you're called to use that gift to be a part of something bigger. And that's what we're going to see through the book of Acts. And what I want to tell you today is that we're, we're a part of the book of Acts. Like, we're, we're a continuation of it as we're going to read through this scripture. But one way we're going to do this, one way we're going to um, be a witness for Jesus, a practical way, is that uh, January 19th through the 21st, we're actually going to go to winter camp uh, at Washington Family Ranch. Come on. Hello, somebody. But we're going to go to winter camp uh, at Washington Family Ranch. We're going to partner with the church in Bend. Um, but the main purpose of this camp, the reason why we're doing this, is because we're going to be a witness to our friends. This winter camp is an opportunity. The, the, the vision behind this is that 
we're going to invite our friends to go to this camp because everyone wants to go to Washington Family Ranch. It's like the best camp in the West Coast. Everyone wants to go there. So this is your opportunity to, to invite people. If you believe what you say you believe in, you, you would want people to hear about it. So we're going to invite people. We're going to invite people into this. And it's not about inviting people into this church necessarily. It's just a larger church. We don't really care if they're coming here or not. Go somewhere, right? So I want to, next, the next two minutes, two to three minutes right now, I want to split up in like groups of five, five to six or something like that and talk about the three friends that you feel God wants you to invite to this camp.